All right. Hey, gang. Ross Brand here for StreamYard Connect. Uh, we got an exciting show today. I mean, if you look over at Twitter, some of the trending terms are virtual classroom, virtual education. And we have uh, my go-to person when it comes to talking about education technology. Jeff Bradbury of TeacherCast is here. We'll also have updates on PodFest Global Summit and on Twitch Prime and a whole lot more. Let's start show. Welcome to StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. We're here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern with StreamYard Connect. And today we're going to talk a lot about educational technology. If you are a teacher, if you're putting together an online course, maybe you're an, typically an on-site in-classroom teacher, perhaps you're a student or you're the parent of a student or many students, <laughs> Today is going to be a very interesting discussion. We're going to talk about educational technology with Jeff Bradbury of TeacherCast. We're going to talk about what type of tech best facilitates online learning. We're going to talk about what you need to construct the ideal virtual classroom, as well as what technology is being integrated into the on-site classroom and what we're going to see going forward. Jeff is an amazing resource. He's been running TeacherCast for years. He's done thousands of podcasts and videos and is really a, a centerpiece of the online content creation and education community when it comes to ed tech. And I, I can't wait to talk to him. There's so much uh, interesting stuff going on right now. It couldn't be a hotter topic and it's a perfect day to talk with Jeff Bradbury. So look forward to that coming up in just a little bit. Meanwhile, let's tell you about StreamYard. If you are new to StreamYard, StreamYard is a browser-based live streaming app. It's both in your web browser and it is also in your mobile phone browser. It makes it easy to go live. You see the three pillars there of StreamYard along with the co-founders on the left is Gage Vandentop. On the right is Dan Briggs. The three pillars of StreamYard are ease of use, stability, and professional-looking streams. And our destinations, you can stream to Facebook. You can stream to LinkedIn. You can stream to YouTube. Periscope, which, of course, gets you on Twitter. You can stream to your Twitch channel. We'll talk more about Twitch in a minute. And there's RTMP, so you can connect to destinations such as Amazon Live and other destinations that require a stream key and RTMP URL. It looks a lot like 
a website URL, but it starts with RTMP. It's actually very simple to do, and uh, I have a short video I'll show you on how to connect to Amazon Live or any other RTMP destination coming up. We're live streaming in 1080p to those platforms that accept 1080p, and uh, you, if you are on the pro plan, can upgrade to 1080p by going into your settings in the studio go to general and switch up to 1080p to enable that if you're on the basic plan or free plan there is a free trial of 1080p you can get that at livestreamuniverse.com slash sy full hd livestreamuniverse.com slash sy full hd and you can try out 1080p and of course if you're not yet on StreamYard go to livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard to get started and start live streaming it's a great platform and we love using it industry news what's going on we're going to talk more about it PodFest Global Summit is now closing in on the world record for the largest single week attendance at a virtual podcasting conference. Uh, StreamYard is a sponsor of the PodFest Global Summit. And uh, as I mentioned, I'll talk more about that coming up. Amazon rebranding Twitch Prime as Prime Gaming. Not much is really changing about it in terms of the substance of it. It's an opportunity for Amazon to align its branding with that of other familiar Prime offerings such as prime music and prime video it's also a way to reach people outside the twitch community outside that streaming gaming community who may not be aware of twitch and may hear about prime gaming across amazon's large platform and think wow maybe that's something i should check out with all these other prime offerings that Amazon has. So it's a chance for Amazon to try and rebrand in order to reach a wider audience. But the service itself is largely the same and Prime Gaming's included with Amazon Prime membership or with a Prime Video subscription. Amazon making other news and creating some controversy this week, um, as Amazon will be adding podcasts to Amazon Music, and it will also plans on adding podcasts to Audible, which is the audiobook app that, that Amazon has. So uh, if you have either Amazon Prime Music or Audible, you can now listen to podcasts and subscribe to podcasts just like you would on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or any other podcast listening app. Um, it'll be available on both Amazon Music's free tier and premium service. I believe the free tier lasts for like 90 days, and then I think you have to upgrade to the premium service, but I'm not positive on how that works. Now, the controversy. Within the letter that Amazon sent out, to those producers that they invited to submit their shows in anticipation of podcasts being available on the platform. So they selected a certain number of producers, some big shows, some smaller shows, and within that letter they wrote, quote, 
Shows cannot include comments that disparage Amazon or its products. So <laughs> that's a very strict terms of service that Amazon is apparently intending to enforce. And of course, while Amazon isn't the government, there's uh, people who are podcasting and independent creators as well as big media all don't like to be have terms dictated to them. Let's put it that way. Don't like to have limits on their speech and their expression. But Amazon, you must either say th something positive about Amazon or nothing at all. And then when it comes to the products, when you consider <laughs> almost every product under the sun seems to be sold on Amazon, uh, if you have a review podcast and you do negative reviews of products and that product is on, pod uh, is on Amazon, that will uh, get you could get you in trouble with Amazon. Nonetheless, it's a, it's a big opportunity for people to uh, move into the Amazon platform. I've been doing Amazon Live for the past month or so, and Amazon continues to open up its platform to content creators. So uh, this is a, a move forward in that area. Also, if you want to study podcasting and you want to do it at an accredited university, Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU, uh, has uh, launched a new podcast program. It's going to be in the Institute for Contemporary Art at VCU. And the article says, quote, it's an initiative that positions podcasting as a crucial skill for creators. It's a multi-year program, and it's being done in collaboration with Richmond-based broadcasting corporation VPM. And it's going to start out online, and by 2021, it's going to move on site. They have a couple of podcast studios already set up, editing software and such, ready to go. And it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's definitely a recognition that podcasting is an important medium, and that it's something that they're looking at not only at teaching the production skills but also communication in terms of how to get your message across in a, you know emotionally impactful and relevant fashion, how you relate to your audience and build your audience and book guests and uh, write copy and all the different aspects of putting a podcast together. So that is the story when it comes to VCU and podcasting. As I mentioned, uh, PodFest Global Summit is going on right now. It's going on all week, and it's being sponsored by a variety of different organizations. Libsyn is the title sponsor, and StreamYard is one of the track sponsors. They're actually sponsoring the Vid Summit, or the VidFest track, I should say. They're sponsoring the VidFest track, but they are listed. You see when you're watching the event, StreamYard comes up a lot, which is great. It's great branding for StreamYard. It's, uh, it's a great event to partner with. I've been a, a speaker at PodFest Summit in person, and I'm very high on the event. They're going for a Guinness World Record title, uh, a Guinness World Records title for biggest attendance for a one-week virtual conference, uh, virtual podcast conference. They're up to I think they're approaching probably 4,000 or 5,000 registrations within the next day or so. So it's expected that by either tonight or more likely sometime tomorrow, the PodFest Global Summit 
virtual conference will pass that record. And anybody who signs up and attends at least one session before the record is reached can be certified as a Guinness Book of World Records record holder. And you can do that by going to LivestreamUniverse.com slash PodFest, LivestreamUniverse.com slash PodFest. The sessions are free today and tomorrow, and then there's an up upgraded cost. Uh, there's a VIP ticket if you want to get the replays and if you want to see the sessions on Friday and Saturday. I'll, I'll be speaking on Friday, uh, as will uh, other members of the StreamYard community like Desiree Martinez and Eddie Garrison. It's going to be uh, it's a great event. Later in the remix, uh, I will share some clips from uh, PodFest Global Summit. We, I, I put together a couple of meetups, and I will share some clips from those meetups. We talked about live streaming. We talked about Amazon Live and also preview my session coming up on Friday. But this is the time to talk all about essential technology for virtual classrooms and let's bring on our guest. He's the founder of the TeacherCast Educational Network. He's one of the top 30 educators, educators easy for me to say, in educational technology, a TEDx speaker. Uh, he's a Google certified and Microsoft certified trainer. He teaches technology education and broadcast journalism, as well as being the webmaster and a technology coach and basically all things tech and podcasting and video. Uh, a great guy. He's also uh, works for the Norwalk, Connecticut public school system. Welcome to the show, Jeff Bradbury. How are you today? Great. Great to see you, Jeff. Um, Good to be here. This is exciting times right now. It's also scary times, certainly, uh, with COVID-19 and the need for schools to rely more on virtual classrooms, social distancing, and educational technology. Talk a little bit about uh, what it's like from a teacher's perspective, first of all, and then we'll get more into the technology itself. You know, from a teacher's point of view, I think we're all nervous. I think we're all scared. Um, it's multi-layered. There's two teachers in my house, um, myself, my wife. And one of the things that we're worried about is what happens when our schools are canceled that our that our kids are going to. So on one hand, yes, I'm worried about my safety. On one hand, I'm worried about my wife's safety being in the classroom, um, trying to make sure that all of our schedules are fit up and fit put together. But what happens tomorrow when the school district that my fam that my kids go calls and says, well, they're out for the next three weeks. Right. Then right. what happens? How, how do you juggle all of these different things? So, you know, it's, it, it's just a different time right now. And we're all trying to make the best of it. Um, I'm looking forward to a great school year. I'm looking forward to getting back with my students, excited about what's happening. My kids, I have six-year-old triplets. I'll start that at the top of the show. Right. Um, they're going into first grade. That's three different classrooms for them. My wife is going to be in her own two buildings. I've got multiple buildings that I go into. 
it's just going to be a little nutty this year. And I'm, but I'm looking forward to it. And you, every day that you wake up, you just cross your fingers and I guess you shower as soon as you get home. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do the best you can to stay safe. It's, it's definitely uh, uh, moving into the unknown. It's a scary situation in a lot of ways. Um, now, you've been very instrumental in integrating technology into the on-site classroom. Now we're really looking at the virtual classroom and the technology needed to teach students when everybody's at home and everybody's social distancing. Talk a little bit about that challenge and some solutions perhaps you've come up with or some of the ways you're handling that challenge. You know, I will say when you have triplets it's all about multitasking creating mm -hmm. a system right just like with your podcasts out there right um there are weeks where you have one show there might be weeks where you've got six shows and you've got to figure out am i going to do the same tasks times six or do i do one task six times or can i make one task last this is where i am right now with my classes like you know if you go back to last year, we were all physical, all doing our stuff. And then somewhere around March, March 18th, I think it right. was, we, we flipped that clock and we moved. When I create my classes, when I create my lessons, I do create them in a virtual environment, even though, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been doing this in a virtual environment mm -hmm. because I've got kids in front of me. I got kids that are sick. I got kids that have multiple learning abilities. I got kids that have multiple languages. So I was always creating my stuff using great technologies like Google Sites, uh, Google Classroom, OneNote, Teams, all these different places. Because when you do that and you think in a virtual world, I didn't know that COVID was going to hit many, many years ago. But for me, I, I kind of feel lucky in this of when we did switch to virtual, I didn't have to do very much. It was all there. All of my lessons are on a website. All of my all of my resources are virtual. All of my communications are were already created into Google Calendar. A lot of it is just trying to figure out what these applications that we have are, what they can do. And then really, how do we streamline the process so that way we are spending more time focusing on the students on our own families rather than what does this button do? How do we make it work? And, you know, I see that we have a lot of people in our live audience. If you guys have any great tools or suggestions for how things are happening in your classrooms or in your, in your family's classrooms, your kids' classrooms, please, I, I'd love to engage you guys in a great conversation today as we go through the podcast. That's great, Jeff. And, and one of the things that you do is you advise teachers and other people in your industry on what technology would be most beneficial for them. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you're seeing teachers basically hacking solutions together. They've got yep. some stuff from the school board. They've got some stuff from their own home. They, they go out with a little money and pick up something else. They spend some of their own money and they try and come up with a solution that works in these difficult times. Where would you start if you were putting a program together for a virtual classroom? Well, I would start with what your school district already has, mm -hmm. what your school district already offers, okay? Um, teachers right now are waking up to the reality that when, when March came mm -hmm. and COVID started, all of these ed tech companies opened up their platforms, opened up their premium features, and everything was free. That's just not the case anymore. And, you know, rightfully so, as a business decision, all these companies basically went out and said, we're going to open this up because we know we're going to get the teachers on board. And then one day we're going to put our hands out. Well, that day is now. 
right? And that's anything from Google Apps for Education or G Suite. They're opening up their enterprise features, mm -hmm. mostly with stuff that teachers were asking for. Uh, Zoom no longer has unlimited dialing. Basically, they're they're back to 40 minutes and you're out. And and really for teachers, it comes down to what do your what does your um, school district already have in place for you? We all understand rules like student privacy. You can't mm -hmm. just go and grab an app and stick it in front of your kids and say go. Right. You need to make sure that you're using applications that are sanctioned by your school district. Perhaps that the, the app developers themselves, the companies have signed what we call acceptable use policies, essentially saying, I'm not going to take your students data and move it. And so for that, I always suggest look at your district. What do they have? What do they recommend? What do they support? What works well for their systems? I've seen a lot of teachers go out and try that shiny Apple only to realize on their Gmail side, it works, but on their school side, there's things that are blocked and it, it just doesn't work. Mm. I know you're a big fan of StreamYard. How do mm -hmm. you see StreamYard as a tool that could be integrated into the virtual classroom? You know, StreamYard is an amazing application. Um, in my school, I teach middle school broadcasting. And in the past, um, pre-COVID, if you will, you right. know, we created a broadcasting studio. You, you helped us out with that. And, you know, I would have a bunch of people sitting at a table. We would shoot it. We would do live broadcasting, board meeting minutes, all of those different things. That's just not reality anymore. That's just not able to happen. So a tool like StreamYard, you can have students sit on virtual, you know, on, on different sides of the room and broadcast them all at the same time using this, you know, this amazing application. I love that it's simple to use. I love it's easy to put together. I can still teach. It doesn't matter the application. I can still have my kids working in applications like Google Draw and Canva and whatever to make the overlays and to make the backgrounds. It is just so easy to use. Um, and I love the fact that it, I'm not just saying that because, you know, it's a free product for educators to use. Personally, I'm paid on the pro side for everything I work on. It's it's a great application that's out there. And for me as a broadcasting teacher, it's going to kind of save my curriculum. Wow. That's that's strong praise. Um, one of the things that we talked about in the news segment was that VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, is putting together a college-level program for podcasting. You've been one of the early adopters as far as bringing podcasting and uh, even live streaming or recorded video using a live streaming tool like StreamYard into the classroom. How important is it for students and people who are going to be everything from artists to business leaders to teachers to whatever field they're going into to learn tools like how to podcast, how to use video, how to communicate through virtual medium. I mean, we're seeing it now. Every Almost every business has had to be, become virtual. But uh, even before that, you saw the importance of it. Why, why was it so important to you to bring that into your classroom? You know, it's all about communication. You know, they say, what do you teach? And the joke is, I teach students, right? Like, right. I teach humans. And Personally, I, I have one philosophy. This is kind of weird, so kind of run with me on this. But my philosophy is simple. We have 13 years to get our students to be able to answer one question and only right. one question. 13 years to comes down to one question. And Ross, do you know what that question is? What time is Ross's show on? 
<laughs> that question is, tell me about yourself. Right, right. Because if you can't answer the tell me about yourself question, you're never going to get to the second question on a job interview. You're done. Right. And so I look at things like, you know, my broadcasting class, my technology class, anything. It doesn't matter. It could be science, English, math, social, whatever. Everything we do is all about the communication. For that reason, you know, one of the things that we have on TeacherCast, if you want to pull that up again, is a, is a site called podcastingwithstudents.com. And so here I am creating a, an environment where I can help teachers learn how to bring in audio lessons, video lessons, and not just how to make a podcast, but really how to teach students how to communicate in their classrooms using tools like G Suite, like Microsoft, like StreamYard, like whatever. You know, We talk about activities. We talk about equipment. It's more than just what's your microphone. I love the fact that these other universities and stuff are actually doing this as a four-credit thing. Right. I just hope that they're built so it doesn't say in four years you could make a podcast because we all know <laughs> that that's not true. But that's why like one of the things that we created here, like we've got the ultimate guide to educational podcasting. It literally is your master's degree for podcasting all in one thing. And basically through this page, I, I, I walk you down all the different things. You can pull that down now. But, you know, podcastingwithstudents.com is there. Also, you can go to educationalpodcasting.com and I walk you through the studio side of how to do it. So with TeacherCast, I, I've been able to create a curriculum for not only podcasting in the classroom, but also just like you see behind me, podcasting at home in your studio. I'm really encouraged at seeing how many different ways we can get kids to understand the concept and value of simple communication. Yo. Yo, and I, I think what's so valuable about it is not only are they learning how to communicate effectively and answer that question that you mentioned about tell me about yourself, but podcasting, social media, video, also enables other people to learn who they are before they even walk into the room. Right. Before they even, so they have this digital portfolio out there, basically. It's their digital resume now is, well, you, know, you know, listen to your, listen to a podcast episode, watch a short video, check out my Twitter feed, and you may have as good an idea of what I do and what I'm passionate about and how I communicate and, and, and so forth as you would with me answering, tell me about yourself. <laughs> it's, it's really the branding conversation. Right. Right. And so I teach, a, I teach a middle school course on technology. And, you know, basically they said you can do whatever you want. Well, I turned that into a marketing course, right? We talk about we, my first assignment for the kids is let's make a website. Then we make a banner. Then we build up. We, we learn how to create a bio, a bio. Then we learn how to take a photo of ourselves. Then we doctor the photo up and we play with Photoshop. And, and the whole entire course is marketing, branding, digital communication, physical communication for grades six to eight. I absolutely love it. I mean, one of the things that I, I you know, one of the channels that I have on TeacherCast is all about branding and marketing. And if you want to pull up this, this, this section now, um, if you go to buildyouredubrand.com, this whole thing is all about how you can use your podcast, your blog, your video, whatever, to create your own personal identity. Why shouldn't we be starting that in the elementaries and middle school? It's all about communication. So let's talk. We have a lot of um, solopreneurs and people who do online courses and live stream and podcast. Talk about how you built your brand for TeacherCast, which is something you know, that, that works in conjunction with your 
day job, but it's also uh, a brand of its own in addition to what you do uh, day to day as a, as a teacher. Sure. Uh, and I'll do the 30 second version. Uh, July 11th, 2011. Um, I couldn't sleep. I woke up and I had an idea. It was almost like the, you know, the flex capacitor version. He hits his head on the toilet. Um, I was teaching high school and I wanted to learn how to use the new Mac lab. I was a windows guy at the time. And so I went out and I found a podcast and started learning about how to do my Macs by listening to this podcast. Long and short on that, I made friends with the with the podcast host. We started our own podcast, two guys talking about their iPhones kind of a thing. And I said, I want to do something like this, but for education. And the guy basically said, fine, run. Kind of pushing the little baby bird off the tree, right? Right. That was how TeacherCast started. I didn't I didn't start it to build a brand. I didn't start it to build a company. I didn't start it to um, all of those things. Right. This was nine years ago. I created it because I wanted to learn something. And the only way I know how to learn something is I get a bunch of people together and I have conversations. Well, there's a podcast. I, you just happen to record it and share it out. Time went on. And next thing you know, someone says, do you have an LLC? What's that? Right. Time went on and things are moving. So I never really started this as I'm going to build a thing. It just kind of started snowballing. And I, you know, I've been doing this for nine years. Honestly, I kind of realized what I was doing about five years into it, because mm. once you're moving through these things, it's there. Now, look, anybody who wants to get into branding, entrepreneur, solopreneur. Yes. Um, I've got a nice course here that starts with Who's your avatar? What do they need? Where are they looking for it? Here's how you go reach them. So I've changed a lot in the last nine years, mostly because I've learned a lot. But really, TeacherCast is kind of a happy accident for myself, for my family. And, and because of it, um, I've got kids. Yeah. Talk about the importance of email marketing. I heard oh you God. give a speech at uh, Joe Pardo's event yeah. now called independent podcast conference back then it was MapCon, uh but I, it was a it was a really good talk T tell tell people a little bit why you feel email marketing so important and and you encourage people to uh work on that email list regardless of the other social media channels they have or website or podcast or so forth well, you know, email marketing is where it is, right? Everybody mm -hmm. has a Twitter. Everybody has a Facebook. Everybody has a YouTube. But you can turn around tomorrow and those things are gone. The only thing that really is yours is your email address and your email list. Everybody has email and yeah, everybody checks their email constantly. So your newsletter that you put out is you. It's your voice. It's your marketing arm that list you can pull and take with you. Even as a podcaster, you really don't own your subscribers. Apple can pull your channel tomorrow and they're gone. That's the truth. And so once you come up with you know, how to do email marketing, you really start to figure out how to build your audience, how to nurture your audience. And I think, Ross, what you're referring to, if you can pull this up, is I do have a 90-day a, a email marketing challenge where I basically hold your hand for, for three months, show you how to do this. We talk about creating an avatar. We talk about intro sequences. We talk about reimagining things. You can find all this information over again at buildyouredubrand.com, and it's right down here, our free email marketing course. And of course, I'm happy to work with you guys if you want to put things together. Um, I've also got a ton of webinars and stuff on how to create your email newsletter. This stuff is so important to content creators. Don't be like me. Don't get nine years into this and turn around and go, 
crap, I never did this. Start mm -hmm. with your list. How do you want to capture data? How do you want to figure out things? Then like today, I took my list and I segmented and I only emailed certain people and you realize that your percentages of, of open lists go up and we can talk about that nerd stuff later, but it's all about <laughs> trying to figure out who's in front of you and what do they want, what do they need, and how do you get it to them? Let's get back to the uh, to the virtual uh, the virtual classroom. Uh, oh, I think I lost Jeff. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Jeff. If you can hear this, and I don't know if you can or not, uh, please do hop back in. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. This is the show. We're here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And, um, you know, somebody reached over my back and hit the wrong button, I think. Uh, yeah, um, it, it must have been somebody else. But you're back, uh, Jeff Bradbury. And at TeacherCast is the Twitter handle. TeacherCast.net is the website. Thanks for uh, jumping back in quickly. Sorry about that. Uh, what I wanted to do is move back to some of the education technology and look at it from the side of the student or the parent. What do I need to have for my child so that they can best participate in the virtual classroom, that they can best be a, a, a productive, good student, and yet I don't have to go broke in the process you know the honest answer for this is a routine mm -hmm. you need to have a routine one of the things that i'm working on with my district is a list of expectations and yes you can say it's like the podcasting question like hey you're a podcaster what's your microphone it's not about the microphone it's mm -hmm. about the conversation in this world to answer your question how do i help my child be successful it's not about the chromebook or the laptop or the ipad it's a you need the routine. If you have a child that's at home, whether it be full-time, hybrid, whatever, seven o'clock rolls around, you still need to wake up. Right. You still need to get dressed. You still need to take a bath, right? And so many teachers from March till June were trying their hardest to do virtual teaching only to find out that the kid's still in bed. <laughs> and then they're sitting in front of, 25 kids that are still in bed or you know they're in the google meet but their video is shut down their microphone's muted and they're just sleeping mm. that's not effective so you need to have a routine child wakes up goes through the morning stuff sits down at a table grabs a device and participates now we can debate on camera off ca I, i'm not here to do that but but that's still there. I mean, even for us, when we're still, you know, when we're teaching virtually, you still wake up and put on a tie. You still wake up and some of us put pants on, right? Like all those mm -hmm. different things. You need to have a routine. Then let's talk about devices, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can go to Best Buy and get a $150 Chromebook. You're good. You don't, right. you really don't need anything else, right? So laptop, Chromebook, iPad, look, Zoom is universal. Teams is universal. Meet is universal. WebEx is universal. So <clears throat> any device it, with an internet connection. Any device with an internet connection, right? It's all right there. That's that, that's the nice thing. I, I, I know we've had pandemics before. I know we've never had this pandemic before. I couldn't imagine doing this in 1982. 
we're <laughs> so lucky that this has hit when we do have connectivity where for the most part every student can be connected where they need to be and be safe how are you students doing just overall i mean we hear about some people react people react differently to obviously social isolation or you know staying home than probably not socializing with other children as much they're uh, you know they're not they're not around their friends as much it's a different it's a it's a very unusual situation for anybody to find themselves in but it's particularly jarring i think for kids who've been who've only known one routine since they were five years old right it's get up go to school get up go to school weekend summer break get up go to school um how have your kids you know your some of your students and 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 other students you've heard about how are they adjusting to this quote-unquote new normal it, it runs the gambit I'll, I'll take my own kids um they don't know any difference they know mm -hmm. covid they know sick they know mask right. they they get six years old right they they get the thing but they have each other you know like they're never without each other so there's always a playmate to run around in as opposed to our neighbor again six-year-old kindergartner um, doesn't understand, can't comprehend why he can't play with his friends, can't comprehend why right. mom doesn't let him cross the street, can't comprehend why he has to stay at home and look at a box. And and suddenly, you know, the, 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 the Muppet on the other end of the screen is Mrs. <laughs> Jones, my kindergarten teacher, right? Like, right. Doesn't understand that. Um, at the same time, I as a teacher can't understand what it's like to be new to this country, not understanding the language. And at one moment, I have to suddenly go to new computer, virtual classroom, a teacher that doesn't speak, the para, para-educator who's been my, my buddy on my side helping me navigate mm -hmm. this new planet that I'm on, isn't with me. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine the special ed education student who, for every reason, needs support. Right. And then if you want to do the top of the onion, I couldn't imagine being in a situation where I have to do all of this stuff. And I'm a 12 year old student who is taking care of the five, six and three year old brother and sister because mom and dad still have to work. And I, at 12 years old, I have to be the adult in the house. Right. And do diapers and do meals and do. And so, yeah, you had those students who mm -hmm. didn't show up for any of your classes, but at seven o'clock they're logging in at night because they're getting their homework done. Well, they're because they're being the parents of the house. Wow. I, and I'm I'm not even going to go into the student who has a family member who's no longer with us. Right. It, just to say it's not easy is I, I don't. It's not even a conversation I want to continue with. It's just it's unbelievable, yeah. unimaginable. Yeah. When you mentioned earlier about the issue of having the video on versus the video off, what are what are the rules that either you set for your classroom, your district set, or the state set? Like how how is that being navigated in terms of do students need to have their video on? Should they have it on? How much can they turn it off? Or there are times when they can turn it off. How is that discussion or that that issue working itself out? What you really want to ask and what you really want to look into, and let me see if I can bring this up here for us here. Um, there is a, I don't want to say law because it's not a law. It's, a, it's more of a regulation. Um, if you can bring up the screen here, it's called FERPA, 
the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. Essentially, it says you can't be broadcasting from inside your house, right? Like there's there's child privacy. There's there's right. all of these different things, and so we are trying to figure out. And every school district's doing it differently, but it's easy to say that why doesn't every teacher just broadcast their class into the house and the kids and everybody meets and it's all great and all those wonderful things doesn't work that way mm-hmm. there's privacy act there's laws around that stuff that says you can't broadcast the fact that you know i'm a kid but behind me my mom and dad are walking back and forth and they're doing these other things you you can't do that stuff right right from the teacher point of view you know and and everybody can say what they want we are used to having other people in the classroom five, six, seven times a year, you know, observational right, right, right. kinds of things. Now we're in a room where every single day we're being observed and we don't know who's in there. We have no idea who's listening and all of those wonderful <laughs> things. Right. 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 So whereas you, you, you understand sarcasm, we have a good time. We talk, right, right. we bicker, we, 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 we have witty banter with our kids and that's that's okay and that's how we break the ice that's how we get mm-hmm. to know each other as humans you can't do that sometimes if mom's in the other room or dad does that make sense like you, you can't you can't get to those personal levels and right. have those conversations with students because you just never know and that just that unfortunately keeps that wall up for us because we want to work on social emotional learning we want to right. work on getting kids to break down and and you know we're that that the educational part of the reason why we love doing this job it's it's just a lot it really really is and look i'm not speaking for every every teacher of course and and but it's it's going to be difficult right right and, and you have the risk of somebody taking something that you said that was meant to be funny or break the ice like you said and taking it out of context and spinning the video recording it spinning it out somewhere else you know just because could be one student who doesn't like you or had a bad experience and you've got 30 other students who think you're the best teacher in the world but that we live in a time in which you certainly can use social media and youtube and so forth to make somebody look bad because you know while these conversations are are often casual and they're friendly and they're funny and they're they run the gamut of uh, emotions anything taken out of context can can certainly harm uh you know somebody who's broadcasting and even more so when you attach oh he said this in his classroom <laughs> right and and it, it, it's not it's not easy yeah so what are you looking at as the upcoming school year gets underway in terms of okay now everybody's starting at the same place like everybody knows what's coming up i suspect although things may still change day to day as you know this thing evolves what are you looking at in terms of how you start off a school year in which not everybody's going to be in the classroom i think and this is i'm looking forward just to seeing the students i really really am I'm looking forward, you know, I was going to say, I'm looking forward to seeing their smile, but look, we all have masks on, right? But you, you, <laughs> like, you get the idea, right? Like, right, right. I'm looking forward just to seeing everybody. And that goes from my teacher colleagues to my administrative team, to my students, to my, 
I'm just looking forward to figuring out what normal is. And I'm fully aware that as soon as we figure out what normal is, it's going to change. <laughs> I mean, we've all seen schools who one day and they're out. Right. Totally get it. Um, I think I'm just looking forward to not sitting here. Mm. Right. I'm just looking, you know, something different. I think that's all, you know, really at, at this point, everything is changing so much. What do you ha uh, hang your hat on? What do you look forward to? And the only thing I can say is I'm just looking forward to being around the students and, and just getting back to having some form of, you know, teacher isms, I guess, is whatever you want to words. I mean, the reasons why we got into the profession in the first place, right. those interactions with other humans. Right, right. And how concerned are you as a parent? I mean, for your students, your kids going back to school and out of fifteen out of ten. Yeah, I mean, really, it's a it's a very it's a very challenging situation. Are these decisions about whether schools should open, how many days they should open, what type of distancing, what type of technology? Are they largely made on the district level, or are they more coming down from the state level in terms of what? how each each uh, school district approaches things? I think the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. the, yes, it's coming from the district level. Yes, it's coming from the state level. Yes, the pressure is coming from both the political and the community level. Mm -hmm. um, I have full respect for anybody who has a, a, an office desk and has to make those decisions or has to be right. in the room where it happens, if you will. Uh, I, it, would not want to make those decisions. Um, if I was asked to make those decisions, I, I already know my answer and it would be a no-brainer. It wouldn't be a popular one, but right. if I had to make those decisions, my my took us to staying in this chair. <laughs> no, I, 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 totally, I totally see that. What are some, maybe one, two biggest technology changes or new technologies that have come along in in recent years that have really changed things for for educators and students other than wi-fi mm. it's the fact that every single person is walking around with that on the side of their device mm -hmm. and and i'm a big believer that the most important yeah look we can we can debate this but um, you and I would not be here if it wasn't for that on the side of our devices, right? Like the, the, the biggest right, technological right, right. jump ever, ever, ever was when the iPhone or sorry, the iPad two put a, put a video camera on it, right? Like right. done suddenly, instead of an iPad being this passive tablet thing, you now have a content creation device. And, and really that's it because you, it just teaching teachers how to use that stuff and a test does not need to be a, a, a multiple choice it does not need to be an essay it could be right. a show me your world it could be a demonstrate something i mean again i teach broadcasting right. how do you do a broadcast a broadcasting class when you don't have kids when you don't have current there's no current events well i right. turned it into video editing we we, we got we video we got StreamYard. We started making cooking videos. We started making how-to videos. We started making all of these. It's just use it as a way to communicate. And and for me, you know, again, goes just goes back to the communication conversation. Yeah. 
Well, Jeff, it's great having you on. I, I appreciate all you do in the educational world and all you do as well as a content creator. TeacherCast.net is the place to find Jeff. He's got a wealth of resources there from podcasts to videos to training programs to some free things to get you started. Um, what's what's next for you as far as the content creation game goes? What should we be looking for or what are you inviting people to do at this time? Well, this weekend, actually, we are hosting our third virtual conference using StreamYard, nice. um, using the uh, the example set forth by our godfather, Dr. Super Joe Pardo. Um, <laughs> he started doing virtual conferences last spring. I love the idea. I stole it. I have no problem, Joe, saying that out loud. Um, but we did our first virtual conference in July with Microsoft Education. We moved that one two weeks later to a Google one. And my particular role in our district is technology coach, people who help do professional development. And so this weekend, we're doing our first virtual tech coach conference. Nine to four o'clock, we've got 13 great present, uh, uh, sessions. And essentially, Ross, we're using StreamYard to facilitate the entire platform. Um, it, I love the... I, I, yeah. So that that's what's coming up next. We're we're seriously and this is not a plug just cuz we're on the show, but right. how can we use StreamYard to connect more people across the country in these kind of roundtable conversations? And right. by the way, Leo, thank you for saying that. And teachercast.net is the website. Um can they sign up right at the website or is there a separate URL to sign up if they want to join the event this weekend? Sure. Anybody can go to teachercast.net forward slash tech coach live. Uh, and that just takes you to basically do the YouTube stream. And, and so that way you can check it out and you can subscribe it if you want. And, you know, there's so much good stuff on TeacherCast from pod. You know, we do nine podcasts that are up on iTunes right now. And, you know, just check it out. All things professional development. Thanks so much, Jeff. It's great having you on the show. Absolutely. That's Jeff Bradbury. He is from TeacherCast.net. Check him out. Uh, such a fascinating uh, time to hear about what's going on through the eyes of someone who's both a teacher, a parent, and an expert in educational technology. As I mentioned earlier, we have uh, a lot of different things going on, and one of those things going on is PodFest Global Summit, where uh, the event and everybody attending the event is going for a Guinness Book of World Records title for largest attendance in a one-week virtual podcasting conference. It's not just podcasting, though. It's video. You can join by going to LivestreamUniverse.com slash PodFest, LivestreamUniverse.com slash PodFest, join for free. You can also upgrade to go to some other types of sessions, but there's a lot of free offerings, great networking within the app that, that comes with the event. And uh, if you sign up today before they reach the uh, that title for the Guinness Book of World Records, you get certified as a, as a title holder who, who was a part of that event. So it's a really cool event, and uh, we've been up to... Well, a lot of different things at the event, including I hosted a couple of meetups. One was on live streaming. It was a live streaming Q&A. Basically, I did a free version of my $5 Fridays events, which every Friday, uh, basically for $5, you can ask me anything on live streaming. 
And we did a free version of that as a meetup at PodFest. Nice turnout. And I was asked a question by a woman named Yvette about how you get rid of the ums when you are live streaming. And it turns out it's something that you can do and it shouldn't keep you from getting started. To be honest, I do a lot of editing. I am still working on the uhs and the... <laughs> so, um, I mean, I like to be authentic, but I'm a little concerned about uh, coming coming uh, forth too authentically. <laughs> right, right, right. How do, you, how do you get over that? I, you know, I always had, as I start a sentence with you know, um, I, and I, then I say, um... <laughs> I worked in radio for 12 years and said, um, and said, you know, and it never stopped me from getting opportunities, but you get over it eventually by breathing when, instead of filling in the gap. And it's something that I've gotten better at even in the last year, because as long as people were paying me, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I wasn't even <laughs> that conscious of it because I don't really, you know, didn't really have time working day to day to go back and listen to my stuff. But now when I listen to older things where I'm saying um a lot or I'm saying oh or you know, I will cringe more. So it's just something that comes over time and being conscious of it and breathing. Like just let that moment sit there it's okay if there's a pause it's okay if there's a little bit of silence so that was a fun event that was a live streaming q and a a version of our five dollar fridays we did for free at podfest expo at the podfest global summit we also did a meetup on amazon live and i talked about not only how you can apply for Amazon Live, which I, I've gone through on this show, but I also talked about how to set up a connection via RTMP with StreamYard. Basically, what you're doing is you're choosing your external camera, you're getting a URL and stream key, you're pasting that into, say, an email or some sort of document to send to yourself, and then you're going to open up on your computer, go into whatever you're software is that you want to stream from so that you don't have to stream from your phone and you can get more production features and take advantage of whatever camera you want to use you set up an rtmp a custom rtmp connection and then you enter that stream key and rtmp server url into your live streaming encoding software and then you select it as the destination and basically, you hit go live in your software first. So if you're using StreamYard, you'd go live in StreamYard first. Give it a few seconds to make the connection. You head on back to the phone app, and you hit the go live button in the phone app. And so that's how you do that. And then you follow the comments along in the phone app. But that's how you use RTMP. It works for Amazon Live, but you can connect from StreamYard to just about any platform that connects that takes an RN, RTMP connection. Easy for me to say. And that's the process for doing that. We'll talk more about that as the show goes on over other weeks. I'll be speaking as well. Friday is VidFest. It's the video track of 
PodFest and StreamYard sponsoring actually a lot of, I think all of the talks in that segment, in that session, it goes from about three in the afternoon to seven in the evening Eastern time. And it's it, part of the VIP ticket. Our, our sessions there are considered master classes. Again, you can get a free ticket and attend a lot of the sessions and meetups uh, by going to livestreamuniverse.com slash podfest, livestreamuniverse.com slash podfest. But uh, you can also upgrade and attend the vid, the VidFest sessions. Um, I'll be speaking. Also, uh, community members and StreamYard family will be there. We'll have Desiree Martinez speaking, Eddie Garrison, and uh, a lot of great speakers for VidFest. And I had a chance to sit down with Chris Kremitzos, who interviewed me about what's coming up on my talk. Here's a little bit of that conversation. Russ, can you touch on what you'll be talking about at PodFest Global Summit? Sure. So I'm looking forward to talking about how to monetize podcasts with video. And in particular, I'm going to focus on the three paths to revenue with live video. I've been live streaming for five years, and I've been watching what live streamers do to be able to monetize, what clients and customers that I've worked with are able to do. And there's three main paths to revenue that work for most people who commit to live streaming as part of their outreach. It's selling, it's providing value and building relationships over the long term, and it's using your content as your digital footprint, using live streaming as a way to quickly create high quality content. This also works if you're not looking to monetize your podcast. If you're one of those few people out there that doesn't want to do that, this works also. These strategies all work for growing your podcast because you're going to build relationships with your audience and you're going to get yourself on social media in places and with the type of content that stops people from scrolling and gets them to get to know you even if they don't listen to podcasts on a regular basis. This will be a great chance to expand your reach and build your brand online and ultimately monetize your business, your podcast, or anything else that you are working on. So that's PodFest Expo underway. My talk coming up on Friday and a lot of sessions and events and meetups and conversations going on in the app. And it's a great, great event, PodFest Global Summit. And it's a wonderful community, too. I highly recommend getting involved. Again, livestreamuniverse.com slash PodFest. And StreamYard is a proud sponsor of the PodFest Global Summit. We've got other shows to tell you about Sunday night. Every Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, is the StreamYard Town Hall Co-founders Gage Vandentop and Dan Briggs host the town hall, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can find it on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, which means Twitter, and LinkedIn Live. And then on the StreamYard Facebook page, every Thursday night, Dana Benz and Kelsey Benz host StreamYard Spotlight. That's where they interview you, members of the StreamYard community, to find out how you're using StreamYard and feature you every week. It's a great interview with Dana and Kelsey. So check that out. Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, StreamYard Spotlight on the StreamYard Facebook page. 
I'm Ross Brand. This has been StreamYard Connect. Thanks so much to our guest, Jeff Bradbury of TeacherCast. We're here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern for StreamYard Connect. Take care, everybody. See you again next week for another episode of StreamYard Connect.